630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. McDavid centers. What timer score? Oscar Clefbaum and Edmonton strikes again in overtime. This time it's Clefbaum. He takes the snap. He looks to the right side. He's throwing to the end zone. There it is. Touchdown, Eskimos. Duke Williams. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 630 Chad. The rematch. The rematch tomorrow. Brickfield at Commonwealth Stadium. Eskimos against the Calgary Stampeders. The Eskimos have been good at home this season. Just one home loss, but they have lost three of their last four all on the road, including that heartbreaker on Labor Day Monday. First down, there's the snap. Riley takes the drop. He unloads. He's going deep, and it is complete. Touchdown, Eskimos! Duke Williams in the end zone. What a bomb from Riley, and the Eskimos have the lead. Montgomery Williams with the snap to Bo Levi Mitchell. He's in the pocket. Now he goes wow. down. Another sack for the Eskimos. What a play by Kwaku Botang, who is going to go around Randy Richards, the right tackle. And a big, big sack, but wait a minute. Illegal Black. contact. Edmonton, number 26. That's a 10-yard uh, no. penalty. First down, Calgary. No time on the clock. The kick is up. And the Calgary Stampeders have won the 2018 Labor Day Classic. I hate to make you relive it, but that's how it sounded on Monday with Dave Campbell and Morley Scott. 3 o'clock tomorrow for the pregame show. Kickoff at 5. You'll hear it all here on 6.30. Ched. And the teams that went at it on Monday will not look exactly the same. A lot of changes for Calgary. Uh, probably half dozen players out because of injury and some tinkering as well at key positions for the Edmonton Eskimos. And to talk about that and more, I welcome Dave Campbell back to the show. Dave, how are you doing? Fantastic. Agreed. Uh, can't wait for tomorrow. Uh, should be a good matchup. Well, I hope so. I, I hope so. Uh, I mean, as as I've stated earlier in the season about other games, I consider Calgary the favorite, as I did on Monday. I <laughs> as consider, you should. So as you I'm, not, I'm not making a prediction. I'm just saying I consider Calgary the favorite. Um, <laughs> but they pulled out the three point win on on Monday. Uh, look, this is this is amazing stuff here. The Calgary Stampeders obviously have had Edmonton's number lately. And, and really, I think for the Stampeders, they, they've pit, been a pretty good organization for a long time. Mm-hmm. Buono certainly brought them to prominence in the 90s, along with some great players. Uh, they, they dropped off a bit, start of the century, 03, 04. Yeah, when Buono said, I've Higgins, had enough. You know, Higgins yeah. had some decent teams. Yeah. Uh, but since John Huffnagel came back from the NFL and took over as Stamps GM for the 2008 season, he was also a coach for a lot of the time. Here, here is... Uh, Calgary's record, regular season record against each CFL team. And I'll just go from west to east. Against BC, they're 21 and 10, 23 and 8 against the Eskimos, 21 and 10 against Saskatchewan, 19 and 4 against the Bombers, 19 and 2 against the Tiger Cats, 15 and 6 against Toronto, 7 1 and 2 against Ottawa, two ties in their 10 regular season meetings. 
Uh, Montreal is the only series that's somewhat competitive, 13-8 in favor of the Stamps. Because the Stampeders all of a sudden can't win in Montreal. And they actually lost there last year. Yeah, they did. Oddly enough. Yeah, So, which is strange. So yeah, I, it's frustrating for Eskimos fans that they often lose to uh, Calgary, but Calgary's done it to everybody, and they've been doing it a long time. Yep, and that's their identity. Is uh, They're just a very, uh, very sound, very focused, very disciplined. Uh, their structure is the best in the CFL. And uh, John Huffnagel has set the table first as a coach and a GM, and now he's just a GM and the president. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's, uh, he's definitely is still the man... That stirs the drink, and Dave Dickinson has done a great job as a as a head coach in this league, and he's won a lot of games in in a very short amount of time. Makes it very impressive. And you look at the recruiting. I mean, they are the they are the philosophy of next man up. You know, in the Eskimos, we saw it last year, and they had to be next man up and as well. But no one's done it better than Calgary. And you look at the issues they had for you know about three seasons on their offensive line, and offensive linemen just went down like flies. You know, and what what do they do? They just fill the spots, right? They're very they're very good at finding players, and they're very good at playing on the field as well. And when you're led by Bo Levi Mitchell, I know he leaves a bad taste in a lot of people's mouths, especially those that live here and are Eskimo fans. But um, you know, he's very good, and it's always fun when the Eskimos and Stamps get together because you know Mike Riley and Bo Levi Mitchell are probably one two in the CFL when it comes to quarterbacking. It's a debate who's one, who's two. Well. You, know, you you make a great point about Huffnagel. I know he gets, and I don't want to you know take any credit away from Dickinson or the current coaching staff, some of whom Huffnagel had on his staff mm-hmm. as well. But yeah, it's it's a it's a mix in the CFL. You have to draft well and get the Canadian talent, but there is almost a college recruiting aspect yeah. with some American players. You have to let them know about your team, your program, your city why that's going to be a good place for you to play and live mm-hmm. and maybe even get a shot at the NFL again yep. if you're good enough. And Calgary, I mean, I think in the preseason, it was a little bit, will you know, will their running game be as good? Well, yeah, Jackson's pretty good. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and a no-name coming into the year, and you don't even notice a drop-off there. No, exactly, and they'll miss him tomorrow because he's one of several Stampeders who won't play as far as their starters go, and mm-hmm. he's the fourth-best rusher in the CFL ahead of, or just behind, sorry, uh, C.J. Gable. So, yeah, they, they just find players. That's that's their uh, M.O. is they built a very good roster. Their Canadian depth has always been very good to get an American-Canadian like Alex Singleton uh, as their middle right. linebacker, who is an American. <laughs> he's, but the, can, he's their Ben Cahoon, so to speak. Their, yes, he is. In terms and of nationality. He is outstanding, you know. And even with a coaching standpoint, you know, they lose Rich Stubler a few years ago as their defensive coordinator. Devon Claybrooks was a young coach at the time. He was coaching their D-line, and they said, we're going to take a chance on him. Yeah. And he's one of the best D-coordinators in the league. Dave Campbell joining us on Inside Sports. Eskimo Stampeders tomorrow, 3 o'clock countdown to kickoff. Game at 5 here on 630 Chet. All right, uh, injuries a story coming out of that game. You mentioned Jackson. Obviously, two of the big-name receivers won't play. Uh, Kamar Jordan for the Stamps, Darrell Walker for Edmonton. What's going on at running back for the Eskimos? Uh, C.J. Gable sounded like, I mean, the player usually says he's going to play unless he's <laughs> His arm could be hanging yeah. and he'll play. <laughs> they, they always think they're going to play. Will C.J. Gable play? Might there be some suspense with the running back position tomorrow? I think there's going to be, yeah. I really do, and and... I do think there's a chance that C.J. Gable will play because usually if a player is that hurt, he leaves the practice field, right? Sure. He doesn't even show up. Or he'll leave partway through practice. He stayed out 
the whole practice yesterday. He did next to nothing. You know, it was Shaq Cooper taking and Jordan Robinson taking reps. So is there a possibility that all three could play? And I'm wondering, okay, possible, yes. But that means you probably have to sit someone on your defensive line, which would be tough. And I think the name they would sit is Nick Usher, which would be tough really? because okay. he played really well. Or is it a case where they go, no, we, we're not going to risk C.J. Gable? Now, he was listed as a starter on the on the depth chart, um, but he could still play or he could not play. I mean, just because he's listed as a starter doesn't mean he's necessarily going to play. I mean, it's a 44-man roster or 46-man roster. And 44 dress for the game. That's right. right okay. So, I don't know. Uh, we know Jordan Robinson will play for sure because he's their primary returner, and he is used in the offense when he does play. Um, so the, I think the biggest suspense about this is, will C.J. Gable play? And if he does, does Shaq Cooper play? If C.J. Gable doesn't, it's easy. It's Shaq Cooper that's going to be the starting running back. So, yeah, I think there is some suspense there. So uh, around 4.07, we should know. What's happening with the running backs? It's an hour table. before they actually have to declare the final that's four right. guys. Okay, that's right. Well, that's that's uh, something to watch for, and uh, you know, G- Gable, you know, fumbles two games in a row. Yeah, an opportunity. Well, there's never a good time to fumble, but no. <laughs> but uh, you know, costly ones against the Eskimos. And is he, has he been the same since he took that illegal hit against Toronto? Um, I don't know. It's it's hard to tell, right? Uh, when you look at him and Shaq Cooper, it's obvious that he's not as fast as Shaq Cooper. He's still a very good running back when he hits open field. Um, I don't know if it's the hit, because I don't think before that he was actually the same guy that he was last year when he came to Edmonton, right? He, right. You know, I like CJ a lot. CJ was highly motivated when he came here mm-hmm. last year, right? And, you know, he he found a home team that wanted to use him and utilize him, and they're still doing it. I mean, he's, he's still averaging about 15 to 18 touches a game. Yep. Um, but it's just the, the results are different. I don't think the line has blocked as well as they did last year, and they have some changes up front, obviously, um, compared to last year. Um, it, it's hard to figure out because C.J. Gable's on pace for the best season of a CFL career, and yet it hasn't been spectacular at times. This kind of reminds me of Mike Pringle back in 2004 when he rushed for like 12, 1,300 yards. And it was like, really? You know, because the run game wasn't, really wasn't mm-hmm. that great. Yep. Uh, but it was effective. So um, I, I think that C.J. Gable's game isn't as, um, isn't as explosive as it was last year, but it's still pretty effective. You know, and we saw Shaq Cooper one game, and he's a slasher. He's a yep. guy that can get by guys, but what he can't do is when it's – he, you know, when it's first contact, it's over, right? Where CJ, he can definitely still push the pile and and be effective that way. So hasn't been flashy. It's been effective and it's been kind of gritty, but it hasn't been the same as as last year during the run to the uh, to the playoffs and in the playoffs. All right, so we'll keep an eye on the Eskimos running back position at receiver. Walker's out. Bryant Mitchell is in. We had him on the show last night. He's. Uh, it's amazing how popular. He is with fans for a guy who hasn't played that much. <laughs> yes. <laughs> because when he does get in there, he usually makes an impact or against Montreal makes a great play to, to track down a ball that, that wasn't thrown to him and wasn't thrown where it was supposed to be and, yeah. and saves a touchdown for the Eskimos. Um, he, uh, you know, he, 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 when I watch him play, and, and you get to see him play at home so you can see the patterns a little better, seems like he's just a very smooth pattern runner. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I don't know if he's... 
Um, I mean, he's not Darrell Walker, obviously. I don't think he's that explosive or probably that reliable uh, if he were to play a whole season. But uh, how much... Describe the difference. Describe the difference between Walker and Mitchell. Is this going to cost the Eskimos, or can Mitchell kind of make it pretty seamless? Well, what they're going to lose with Brian Mitchell is the experience. Mm -hmm. Darrell Walker, I think, stepped up with the leadership uh, aspect of his game. And, you know, we saw Walker with the Darius Bowman, and Bowman was the leader of this group for several years. And Walker was kind of the understudy. And this year it's Darrell Walker as the number one receiver, I think, from the experience standpoint. And I think he did a good job. Um, the thing you lose with Darrell Walker is a guy who's really smart, mm-hmm. you know, and he's not as explosive as Bryant Mitchell. I think Bryant Mitchell is more explosive off the line and in, in, in open space. Darrell Walker is so smart mm-hmm. and he's so physical. And I think Bryant Mitchell brings the element of physicality to it. But what he is, is he is a guy that can attack any part of the field. And I think he can do it a bit quicker. But does he have the savviness? Does he have the smarts like Darrell Walker does? I think he does, but it's just we haven't seen it. And he hasn't had the chance to show it uh, uh, as much as he would like and fans would like. Um, and, and, you know, the the reason why we haven't really seen Brian Mitchell, I mean, one, he was new. I mean, 2015, he was the last cut in training camp. 2016, he makes it. It's on the practice roster, plays one game, was good against that final, uh, against the Argos at home in that final regular season game. Then we didn't see him until last season, seven games, almost 500 yards, three touchdowns, and he got hurt, right? Yeah. And we didn't see him for the rest of the year. Then he gets hurt in training camp, two, three days in. Then we don't see him until a couple games early in the season, and they can't, they can't, get him in the rotation or get him in the receiving core uh, as a starter. So they sit him down and then they were able to get him back in the lineup because of an injury Um, and and a ratio flip really. So um, I think there's a lot more that we can see out of Bryant Mitchell. And I think his, his chance now is to be in the lineup, stay healthy, be consistent. And uh, then maybe that'll bode well for him. You know, I he reminds me a lot of Kamar Jordan, who is out for the season, as you mentioned, yep. for the Stampeders. He was on the Stampeders practice roster for part of 2013, all of 2014, all of 2015, and then started his ascent in 2016. Right. But he got hurt. Then last year, we know what happened in the Grey Cup, but still had a pretty good year. This year, he's the number two receiver in the league. I think Brian Mitchell can take a, a similar path. Okay, well, that's good to hear. Just don't tear all three of your ligaments. Yeah, please. well, that's tough for Jordan, for sure. Dave, thanks for uh, sticking around tonight. Have a great broadcast tomorrow. Can't wait, buddy. Thank you. Good stuff. Dave Campbell checking in tonight, the producer of this show, color commentator for our Eskimos broadcasts here on 630 Chet. So you heard him talking about C.J. Gable, who is on the depth chart, but doesn't appear to be in full health going into tomorrow's game. And the Stampeders banged up as well. We're going to talk to Greg Peterson, their analyst, coming up between 7 and 7.30 tonight. Hey, I'd love to hear from you. You can text 630-630. Our phone number is 780-496-0063. We're talking Labor Day rematch. We will touch on the Oilers' rookie camp. First on-ice session today. They have a game Sunday afternoon against the Flames rookies in Calgary, and that's on 630, Chad. 1.30 for the pregame show, 2 o'clock for the drop of the puck. We're coming right back. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader, 630 Chad. All right, really appreciate you tuning in tonight. It is 624. My name is Reed Wilkins. Kellen Kennedy on the other side of the window this evening as your studio producer, as he often is. Kellen, what are your plans this weekend? Do you get to work the game tomorrow, or what's going on? No, I'm heading to the game tomorrow, You're man. You're going to the game. I'm going to the game. You get to go and cheer. Good for you, Absolutely. buddy. Absolutely. 
Good for you. Wouldn't I know you're a big Eskimos one. fan, so you get to wear your. You always, you always will wear an Eskimo shirt on a game day if you're working. Absolutely. So yeah. you get to wear to get to wear. Are you going? Are you going with your your dad or who's going? Uh, probably going with dad. Yeah. Should yeah. be a good crowd. Hopefully over forty thousand. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, they have the promotion where uh, kids can get in free. And also, it's the uh, birthday for Commonwealth, isn't it? It's the uh, and it's a family day. We're going to talk a little bit about it uh, later on. A fun clip uh, Mike Riley has. He's wearing family themed sneakers with cool. some children's characters on it. I I don't have like when I think of kids shows, I think of uh, Mr. Dress Up and. Sesame Street. Are those shows still on? I couldn't even tell you. I think well, Mr. Uh, Dress Up passed away. Yeah, I, I think there is still a version of Sesame, Sesame Street. Street's still yeah. going, isn't it? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's just a little grittier now. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's kind of like The Wire meets Sesame Street. That's that's probably what it's like now. Bert and Ernie, PI. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Um, Dave Leppard says, uh, hey, Reed, who is the rookie you are most excited to see play on Sunday? Is Yamamoto eligible to play? He would definitely be my pick. Well, yeah, Yamamoto's going to play in these in these rookie games. I mean, he'd be up there. Evan Bouchard, first-round draft pick from this past summer, and uh, I think Marodi and Gambardella are guys I want to see what they have as well. It, it looks like today, based on the line combinations, now again, it's it's line combinations in day one of a rookie camp, but I would think Gambardella, Marodi, and Yamamoto would have time together as a line during at least one of these games. So I'd like to see how those three guys look. Oil 10 says, Reed, the Eskimos seem to have had a lot of breaks this year. Early in the year, they played a lot of backup quarterbacks. Uh, now with the Stamps, uh, Bo Levi-Mitchell banged up Rodgers and Jordan out, and uh, Don Jackson, the running back, likely to be out as uh, as well. We're going to talk to Greg Peterson uh, to get more of a Stampeders angle later on the show. I, I mean, don't hold this against me. I, I, I do have some acquaintances who work in the Calgary media. And uh, a couple of them have expressed to me the uh, Stampeders uh, will not play that bad again. And uh, watch out, here they come. And a couple of guys have said to me that uh, they feel the Stamps are very vulnerable and uh, that uh, if the Eskimos can play another good game, they're going to get over the hump tomorrow. So take that for what it's worth. I, I, I mean, the Stampeders are a great team. I don't expect them to be as sloppy for the second game in a row. We'll touch on that with Bob Stoffer as we uh, move along throughout the show as well. You can text 630-630. We played some of the trash talk. Uh, well, trash talk might be an overstatement, but a little bit of back and forth between C.J. Gable and uh, Bo Levi Mitchell. I just want to get this one in uh, here, uh, Kellen, if you can just uh, kill the music for a sec. Head coach Jason Moss uh, doesn't really mind the talking, but you got to live up to it. You're going to talk the talk, you better walk the walk. And I think Bo does that extremely well. So I, I don't think he's afraid of talking. So, But I don't think our guys are either. And they just played the game. They know better than anybody how it was out there. Now, it didn't go our way in the win column, but there were a lot, we just talked about, there are a lot of positive things to think about too. So I think that's more of what our players are saying. So I'm obviously, I've got our players back, and if that's the way they feel, great. Go out and walk the walk then and do it on the field, and do it Saturday night and get a victory. I'll never rein that in. I mean, at the end of the day, if that's the way they truly feel, now, hey, I mean, when you put your butt on the line that way, you better show up. Now, at the end of the day, that's what it is. It's a dogfight. It's a, <laughs> it's a physically violent game for a reason, and uh, we like to play that way. And 
our guys just need to go out and execute and do their jobs. And again, if they want to talk, they talk. But they better show up and walk it the same way. And I'm not afraid of our guys walking the walk. All right, a little bit from Eskimos head coach Jason Moss. More on the game, more on the Oilers rookie camp on 630Ched.com, and more on both with Bob Stoffer when we get back. Your home for breaking news and expert opinion. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630Ched. Tries to kick it from a skeet to a stick. Can't do so. Shapuo battles him. Macarena probably got away with a trip there. Now it's turned over right in front. A chance for Yamamoto. He scores! Well, flashing back to last year's preseason, Kyler Yamamoto getting on the board. He was pretty impressive in the preseason for the Edmonton Oilers. Played nine regular season games, got three assists. Big year in the Western Hockey League. Uh, We shall see where he starts when the regular season rolls around this year, I will think he will uh, he'll push pretty hard for a spot. I'll get into that with Bob Stoffer here in a couple minutes when he joins us on the show. You can text 63630. Are any of the rookie games being streamed? Someone uh, is asking on the text line. Uh, to my knowledge, uh, yes. Uh, I was. I know I was asking about Sunday's game from Calgary today, and I was told it would be streamed on the Oilers' website, and of course they're all here on 6.30 Chet as well. Uh, this texter says, what are your thoughts on Mark Letestu? Any chance he's coming back to the Oilers? Well, Mark Letestu, a couple of weeks ago, I asked no, Kellen signed a professional tryout with the Florida Panthers. So I think uh, Letestu is going to have a pretty good shot to make that team. So that's the situation with him. Also to keep an eye on tonight, Oil Kings playing Calgary in a WHL exhibition game, 7 o'clock at the Downtown Community Arena. The U of A Golden Bears playing game number two of their Canada West season. They are hosting Regina. That game starts at 7. The Bears obviously had a stinker last year in Saskatchewan. And uh, Golden Bears hockey playing in Penticton. This is the tournament that the uh, Oilers had gone to in previous years. Um... Uh, 2-1 Golden Bears leading UBC after the first period in Penticton. Exhibition game there. Regular season is coming quickly for uh, the U of A. They're going to start Saturday the 28th against the Saskatchewan Huskies at Claire Drake Arena. So a heck of a showdown to start that season. CFL later on tonight. Ottawa at BC. Red Black 6-4. Lions 3-6. Chuba Hubbard. Bev Facey grad now playing for Oklahoma State scored a touchdown in the uh, college football opener last Thursday. Uh, the Oklahoma State Cowboys will play South Alabama tomorrow. Prairie Junior Football Conference. The Wildcats are off. The Edmonton Huskies play Regina on Sunday. Both those teams coming into two and one. They just played last weekend in Edmonton, and uh, Regina got the victory there. So there's a, an update on some local stuff. Rafael Nadell had to retire today after losing the first two sets of his U.S. Open semifinal against Del Potro. So Del Potro moves on to the final, and it is currently Djokovic leading Nishikori. 6-3, 5-3, and it's 30-30 in the current game. So uh, Djokovic trying to go up two sets to nothing there. All right. Bob Stoffer, host of Oilers Now on this station, noon to two every day. Oilers color analyst. Always great to have Bob on the show. Bob, how are you doing? 
Good, Reed. How are you? I'm doing very well. It's great to have you back on the show. Uh, we got a lot going on. Football tomorrow, hockey rookie games. Well, we have broadcast Sunday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. So uh, we're rolling into a busy part of the season here. This is fun stuff. Uh, Oilers rookies uh, practicing today after the physicals yesterday, Bob. Uh, you know, some people were actually laughing at me for uh, tweeting out the practice lines, but I was like, hey, I was there, so I thought I'd put them out. But the, but skating together first time in the run-through, which uh, often means they uh, they might be together when it gets to a game. You had Joe Gambardella with Cooper Marodi and Kyler Yamamoto. And, uh, you know, going into these rookie games, I, w- I would think there's a lot of potential, uh, a lot of potential for scoring from those three guys. Yeah, well, uh, Marodi's going to be an interesting guy to watch because he's sort of in that mid-range great in terms of actual hockey experience, right? I mean, uh, fighting double X for years. Uh, was deep uh, at the end of last season in Bakersfield. Cambridell is an older player, 25. I would call him an organization depth player. Uh, and then you have Yamamoto, and he's obviously one of the other bright lights in the future. Um, you heard Scott Howell the other day, but now six point one Yamamoto there is uh, returning to Spokane not an option in way form. So he's either playing for the Oilers or he's playing for Bakersfield. And it would not surprise me if he starts the year uh, in Bakersfield just because we've seen Yessa Paul Yarby and Leon Dreisaitl, uh, you know, basically in their second uh, uh, go-round in a training camp. First go-round, they started in the NHL. In Leon's case, he ended up finishing up in the Western League uh, because he couldn't be sent to major or to the HL. And in Jesse's case, you know, Jesse ultimately was sent to the HL. Their second year, they both started in the HL, and I could see Yamamoto going down on that path. But there should be some offensive, uh, you know, opportunities created there. Moroni's going to be a very interesting guy to watch. I mean, this is we're really seeing Reed a transition. Uh, for the Oilers organization. I mean, I'd scale them at a 5 or 6 out of 10 in terms of depth overall. Uh, you know, they started to, they got some B in Baron Jones that uh, gave them a little bit different dimension last year down in Bakersfield. Now they got some forwards coming. Rookie camps are interesting to me, Bob, because there are definitely some players who go in there with with really nothing to lose. They're already on AHL contracts, uh, so you know they're getting some experience here uh, with some, with their with their potential AHL coaches and being around some higher end prospects. But there are some guys where the expectation is they they better pretty much dominate or or, or be pretty impressive when they're out there on the ice. I mean, the the second line they had today was McLeod between Benson and Vessel. Uh, I know a lot of people are keeping an eye on Tyler Benson. The former Bantam star here in Edmonton. I, I, you know, I don't think he's in the NHL this year, but he might have the potential to be a depth player down the road. But you know, there are some guys that that you better notice them if if they play two of these two of these three games coming up, uh, two against Calgary and one against McHugh and Nate. Like there, there's, I I know it's like mid September, but there are definitely some guys, Bear Jones, Baron Jones on the back end, where you, you, you better notice them, or you might start to wonder where they're at. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, I look at Gambardella at 25. How do you judge Gambardella versus McLeod at 18? Like, there's a seven-year difference in age there. So, you know, Gambardella has to be a guy that provides some experience and tilts the ice when he's out there going ahead against other rookies, uh, especially in the two games against the Flames rookies. You know, Baron Jones, uh, they're still young guys, right? Like, they basically... Uh, played last year uh, each in what would have been their 20-year-old seasons in Major Junior and and played as 20-year-olds in the American Hockey League. And they've got under 60 games pro experience for both players. Uh, My my expectation on defense is that 
you know, Jones needs to take a step forward. He had some tough times uh, during the course of last year. In Bear's case, I don't know about you, but I felt like he looked like he had a different body composition. I do think that he's a legitimate offensive prospect long-term, but I think he needs uh, a lot more work uh, on the defensive side of the game. But that said, again, they should be better than guys like Sam Rukov on the back end. And then we got the goaltending scenario where the organization has started to build up a little bit more depth. So for me, a 5 or a 6 out of 10 on depth used to be a 2 or 3. need to get to a place where there's 7 or 8 year in, year out. And that might not be easy if the team improves and maybe moves an, uh, a pick or two to, to load up at some point during the year. Uh, but that's all for conjecture at this stage. And it's going to be interesting to watch who does what over the course of the next week during the rookie camp. The one game that I kind of dismiss outright is the game against Nate Grant, uh, you know, McEwen, because how do you judge that game? I mean, Nate and McEwen are not a together team. They, I know they won last year 2 nothing, but they were completely outshot. I, think the, I forget the kid's name that went in goal, but he was like the Nate backup, and he stopped 30. That's a tough game to gauge. It, it was easier for me to gauge where the other rookies were at when they used to play the U of A, because the U of A was a team. And frankly, that Nate uh, McEwen team that we saw last year had two, two players that could have played at the U of A, Ty Stanton being one of them, and then Thomas Foster being the other. So, uh, you know, the, these games against Calgary, the game on Sunday in Calgary, the game Wednesday in Red Deer, uh, that's going to tell us a lot where guys are at. And the game against Tuesday at Rogers Place, that, that'll be an intriguing matchup, only because, to me, it's totally unknown as to what exactly we're going to see. I just quickly checked, Bobby. Uh, last year, the shots were 49-19 for the Oilers' rookies against uh, the Nate McEwen All-Star team. So, yeah, well, it, it wasn't an even game, except it was close on the scoreboard for uh, pretty much all night. So that's coming up on Tuesday, and we'll have that for you on 6.30, Chet, as well. Um, we, we are uh, obviously getting ready for the Labor Day rematch tomorrow as well. Edmonton against Calgary, a little bit of back and forth between uh, Gable and Bo Levi Mitchell over the last couple of days about uh, giving the game away or winning it and all that kind of stuff, which I expect at this time of year. If there wasn't a little trash talk between Edmonton and Calgary, uh, that, that'd be that'd be disappointing. You know, the Eskimos are, are saying all the right things. They're staying positive. They're they're going to try and 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 control what they can control a little better. Uh, I I know there are a couple of Calgary media guys who think the you know that the Eskimos can bounce back and and, and win this one, but I I still look at a Calgary team that left a lot of points on the table, wasn't as detailed. As, uh, as what they usually are. I mean, they had a lot of drops. They had a couple of turnovers as well. They, Bo Levi was sacked a couple of times. So it's, it's interesting going into this one, uh, pressure on the Eskimos to avoid losing the fourth uh, of the last five. Well, Reed, you would have a better half because you've got to, you know, sort of be specific to both, uh, both the two big teams in town. I mean, what is the injury status for the Stamps? Are they down five or They're down six guys, including uh, Jackson, the running back, and Jordan, the receiver. So they got some playmakers out of the lineup. The Eskimos don't have enough playmakers on defense. That said, the defense played pretty well in Calgary. Uh, I, I am of the belief that the Stamps are unequivocally the best franchise in the CFL. Uh, the Eskimos have, you know what, I mean, you're the one that's got the stats. What is it, six points in the second half, last three, uh, was it the last three road games? Last three losses. The uh, Well, yeah, and they all have been road games too. Six points in the second half in their last three road games combined, yep. I could see the Eskimos winning, uh, partially because they have been a better team at home than on the road. But I, I'm like, I'm kind of a, like, you know, I know we discussed this in orders now earlier in the week. Like, I don't, I don't think we're going to see a Stamps team play much worse than we saw on Monday. I think the Eskimos squandered an opportunity, and unfortunately, you know, 
the irony of this whole situation is they're sitting with a six and five record, and if they had her on the ball, they'd be nine and two right now in a great spot because they should have won the game, in my opinion, uh, uh, in Toronto earlier this season. Um, and then you know they they tanked the game in Hamilton. Like they, those were games they should have won, in my opinion. So. And then now you have the game in Calgary, and it was right there for them to go get. And they turned the ball over three times in the second half. And, um, you know, so I'm starting to think maybe, you know, and, and here's the deal. If, Reed, if they drop to six and six, at that point, do we know how good they aren't, if that occurs? Well, I think if they drop to six and six, and, and, and you know, it's obviously very possible favoring Calgary, then. I mean, then you see, like, I mean, last year they lost six in a row, right? And they dropped to seven and six, and then they ran the table. I don't, I don't know if they quite have the mental makeup they, they did last year. And then you see how they do against Ottawa. I'm not sure how good Winnipeg is, and they still play Winnipeg twice. And I actually don't think BC is that good. They, they still go to Vancouver. They also have to go to Saskatchewan. If they drop to 6-6, six and six, I still think they can finish above 500, and I still think they'll, fit, they'll stay in the West and avoid the crossover, like I said, because I'm not sure where you're going to get out of the Bombers. But I think if they drop to 6-6, six and six, you're, you're chasing for second place, given how the Riders look. Yeah, well, or third place. Like, for me, third place, that's going to be ultimately the battle. So, I don't know. I mean, Mike Riley's had opportunities to put up points in the second half. There's There's been some adjustment issues, right? When you when you sit there and, and put out a stat that says six second-half points and three straight road losses, that's a sign that they're getting out-adjusted at the halftime and they don't have any answers. And I personally think there's been a lack of imagination in the playing calling offensively. Um Defensively, you know, you can't be too critical of the performance we saw in Calgary. That was a, uh, you know, I think the defense played about as well as they could have. So, and they also have no return game whatsoever. So, you know, and that's the third phase in the CFL. You know, when you're playing three down football, you got to be able to make some plays on the return game. And the Eskimos has been, for me, and I, I, what are we going into game number 12 here? I've seen 10 of the 11 games this year, and there has been a, uh, there's no excitement whatsoever. So, they, they don't have those momentum changers on special teams. They have a good kicker, a decent punter. You had a real good game, Keel Neal and Calgary, placing the ball. But they got no return game. They lock playmakers defensively. They're down a significant receiver for the next four to six weeks, but they did get Brian Mitchell in, who I thought should have been playing to begin with. Um, but the one thing they do have going, they're winning at home. And so that's going to give them a puncher's chance, and they got Mike Riley against Calgary. Hugh O'Neill, where'd he go to university again, Bob? University <laughs> of Alberta. And going through, uh, they're going through a tough time in that program right now. Bears football playing tonight against Regina. They got uh, spanked in Saskatoon last weekend, a, a game many people thought they could win, uh, while the U of A hockey team, I mean, Bob, it's it's crazy with the Golden Bears. I, I mean, it's they haven't played a regular season game, and some people are already saying, well, they're better than last year's team that won the national title. It's uh, the two ends of the spectrum for two of the big programs at the U of A. Well, I would say that's right to Serge's lost face. They have a better coach. I mean, Ian Herbers is Serge is going to get there in time, and he's got a great opportunity in Kamloops. But Ian Herbers has spent the last three years in the NHL. He's been an American Hockey League head coach, and he's got 119 and 19 as a head coach. 
so it, it starts there. Uh, they are going to be down two or three forwards to start the year. Tyson Bailey has scored 40 goals and had 95 points as a 20-year-old for Kelowna, a defensive-minded team in the Western Hockey League. As a 20-year-old, he's a big-time player. And Stefan Legault, who was the MVP of the University Cup last year, those guys are out. So that's two top six forwards. Uh, and they're going to get potentially one, if not two more forwards on top of those guys coming out of minor pro halfway through the year. Like, they are going to be scary up front. They have three right-shot power play defensemen. But here's the thing, Reed, that expectation in that program. You know, uh, Alberta's a tough school to get into, and in football, you need 70 or 80 guys. And when you don't have a winning environment and a winning culture, it takes time to get that back. And you they lost it. And they lost it towards the end of uh, the uh, Gary Friesen era. He got out-recruited after having a real good start in the early 2000s. They didn't capitalize when they went 7-1, 7-1 back-to-back years in 04 and 05, and they've never been the same program since. And, you know, it is feasible, given uh, that they lost uh, two offensive linemen, CFL draft choice linemen, that made their team. That doesn't happen a lot with offensive linemen, but that tells you the level that Chris Morris is coaching. He coaches the O-line. It is feasible that the Bears are looking at another 1-7 or 0-8 year. That is an entire possibility. Regina definitely has more talent. Brad Baker got a minor, uh, uh, got knocked around, didn't even play in the second half of that game in Saskatchewan. Alberta's most impressive young players last year in football, Nathan Rowe and Jaden Phillip, neither guys even on the team this year. And then they lost Eddie L. Nicky, who you interviewed earlier in the week, um, you know, as graduation, graduation uh, with the heck right and along with Tyler Henry, the, uh, the other star receiver. So they're, not, they're a shadow of the team that finished the year, which was pretty good last year. And they're having challenges being able to recruit on a day-by-day basis. Uh, UBC has some different mechanisms to get kids in a school, and Blake Neal has never had a problem doing that. And and the irony, of course, is Sam Marple and Ian Herbert are crushing it at the U of A with the hockey program. But football certainly has some challenges, and it's an uphill fight. Oh, that's tough to hear you predict uh, a possible winless season, Bob. Hope, hopefully that doesn't uh, doesn't come true. But uh, I, I know some, sometimes you're right, occasionally. <laughs> Thanks for spending part of your Friday night with me, Bob. All right, Reid. That is Oilers Now host Bob Stoffer. And to borrow one of Bob's favorite phrases, a wide-ranging conversation as we touch on the Oilers, Eskimos, and a, a little bit of university sports as well. 651, you can text 63630. Our open line is 780-496-0063. A little bit from your quarterback, Mike Riley, when we get back. He had zero likes, zero posts, Zero shares. And yet, millions of followers. The Terry Fox Run is September 16th. Register for the run worth talking about at terryfox.org. Man, we had that commercial for the Terry Fox Run. That was something. Didn't have any likes. Didn't have any pokes, but he had millions of followers. Uh, I was pretty young when when Terry Fox went on his marathon of hope, but he remains a Canadian hero. No doubt about that. 6.54 Inside Sports on Oilers and Eskimos Radio, 6.30 Chet. Thank you so much for tuning in tonight. Having a lot of fun. We're getting you ready for the Labor Day Classic tomorrow for the Oilers rookie game Sunday afternoon. Uh, Hoping to uh, push over 40,000 in attendance for the Eskimos game against the Stamps and uh, one of those themed games, uh, Family Day. 
on the brick field at Commonwealth Stadium. I was talking to Dave Campbell, who has a couple of young children, so knows all about the uh, programming available for kids. Is it is it the 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 pound puppies? Does that make sense? Are they going to be there? Is that Paw Patrol? The Paw Patrol. Paw Patrol. What's the difference between the Paw Patrol and the Pound Puppies? Well, Pound Puppies the was Pound 1980s like children's the, television, Reed. Was what? 1980s tel- uh, children's television, Reed. Oh, and Paw Patrol is current. It's current, yes. Oh, I thought maybe the Pound Puppies were the delinquent <laughs> dogs that had to go to the Pound. <laughs> they, they bonded together mm-hmm. to, to do good. No? You can, you, That's you, what it is in my mind. You can like these dogs, Reed. They're not the super dogs. They're, they're better. Well, I like, yeah, thank you. If the super dogs are there tomorrow. I, I might, well, I wouldn't boycott the game. Uh, Mike Riley's wearing uh, family themed shoes tomorrow. Reached out. Yeah, yeah. The league reached out about, uh, you know, the initiative that they were doing and asked me what it what i wanted on my cleats and uh i just gave him a list of all the stuff that brooklyn is watching now so it's uh i didn't know about any of the characters that are going to be on my shoes until i had a kid and now i can't get the songs out of my head i think all the parents out there can probably relate to that so um she hasn't seen them yet she's seen pictures of them and she's she's pointing at all the characters and everything like that i'll take them home tonight and let her let her look at them um hopefully she doesn't get too attached to them all right. Well, so we know the who else? Do you know who else is going to be there? Just the is those the Paw Patrol is it going to be real dogs or is it people dressed as dogs? Or maybe we don't want to spoil it <laughs> yeah, for the kids. I they're was going to say you don't want to tread that everybody. line. Uh, the kids, they're real dogs. It's all real, just like Santa Claus to the Easter Bunny, right? Yeah. Well, thanks for informing me on the Paw Patrol, Kellen. That's amazing. Hey, that's what I'm here for. <laughs> you really are. I guess. To keep me straight on my uh, children's television programming. Okay. Oh, we got the news coming up. Greg Peterson, former Calgary Stampeder analyst for the team. He's always an intelligent man to talk to. He's going to join us, and you'll hear from Oilers prospect Joseph Gambardella, all an hour or two of Inside Sports. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.